it's the same with your sexuality and in the bedroom. Like a lot of people think that they get married and they're just going to like, their husband's just going to know all the things to do. How mm. on earth would he know that you're the expert on your body? It doesn't matter how much experience they've had with other partners or anything like that. They don't know how your body works. They don't know what gives you pleasure. Hey there, I'm Ani Michalski, wellness coach, therapist, and mom to half a dozen amazing kiddos. This podcast is for moms who desperately need a break, but refuse to take one. You know who you are. You have a jam-packed schedule, and you're so busy doing everything for everyone else, you don't leave any time for you. What's up with that? Well, no more. Take off your superwoman cape and learn how to put yourself on your to-do list. This is the Moms Without Capes podcast. Hey, did you know that there's a Facebook group filled with Moms Without Capes? Women who are learning that it's safe to take off the superwoman cape and take care of themselves? There sure is, and we'd love to have you in the group. Moms Without Capes is a free community for moms who feel overwhelmed, stressed out, and exhausted from trying to do it all. Come discover who you are under that cape and give yourself permission to show yourself some love. Search Moms Without Capes when you're in Facebook or follow the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. See you there. We have today on the Moms Without Capes podcast show, Monica Tanner. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you so much for having me, Ani. So Monica is a married mother of four who has made it her mission to help other couples find happiness in their relationships. One of the ways she does this is through her weekly podcast, Secrets of Happily Ever After, where she shares tips and advice on everything from communication to intimacy. Monica is an expert on relationships and knows that it takes what it takes to make a marriage work. Her goal is to help couples strengthen their bond and create a lasting love story. Today, Monica will be sharing with us some secrets about how to keep our marriage hot after having kids. So I actually, we've met a long time ago, a few years ago, I think like it was three years ago. And um, we were just talking right before I hit record. I was on Monica's podcast before the Moms Without Capes podcast even came about. So it was about time that I turned around and reached out to her because I knew that she was an expert in marriage. And so I wanted her to come in and talk to us about intimacy and marriage and how to make it work when we have kids, which all of you, I'm assuming have kids. (laughs) So, so Monica, it's about time we had you here. So welcome. Yay. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. So let's just dive in. And why don't you share with us a bit about your journey and how you got to be where you are today? Yeah. Well, I think my journey probably starts around my 12th birthday when my uh, parents announced that they were getting a divorce that summer was pretty tough. It kind of changed everything about my world. And I became obsessed with what makes a marriage strong and lasting. So I literally used to watch my friends' parents interact with each other. And I kind of like took these mental notes. I'm like, okay, what works? What doesn't, you know, like, and What's interesting is I found very few examples of couples that seemed really, truly happy. And so I kind of thought that the gold standard of marriage was just staying married until 
it was my turn to get married. And I was like, I don't want to just like have a long, miserable marriage. Like I want to have fun. There's got to be a way to do that. And so um, I was real skeptical, skeptical about marrying my husband because I just hadn't seen a lot of examples of really happy, long lasting couples, but I wanted to be that so badly. And so the beginning of our marriage was pretty rocky. I mean, the first little bit was awesome. You know, it was just us. And then we started having kids and, you know, I kind of took on this role of like, I have to be, it's kind of how I managed everything in my life before this point. Like I just had to be perfect at everything. I had to get the perfect grades and perform perfectly in sports and, you know, be at the top of my class and all the things that I could control myself, I was really good at. And so I kind of applied that same false thinking to my marriage. And as I kept having kids, you know, one and then two and then three, which was pretty much the breaking point. I went on to have four, but at three, (laughs) I got to the point where I was like, I'm not doing anything perfectly. Like I can't hold this together at all. Right. Like I'm not the perfect wife. I'm definitely not, you know, keeping the house clean and having dinner on the table. And my kids are not well-behaved, you know, when my husband gets home and I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like I'm not cut out for this. I can't control anything. Like this is too much for me. And I went into this really deep postpartum anxiety. I kind of had it after my second, but after my third, it was really, really bad. And I would just, my husband would come home from work and I would be sitting in a messy house with dirty kids running around with no dinner. And I would just be bawling. And he would come in and like literally take one look at the scene and be like, I'm out. Like, (laughs) like he didn't do emotions very well, which I get his family's not super emotional, but he had no idea what to do with it. He took it really personally. He's like, why is she crying? I'm sure it has something to do with me. I got to get out of here, which totally like pressed on my whole abandonment. Like, okay, this marriage isn't going to work. He's going to walk out on me. Just like I've seen everybody else do, you know? And so I was really skeptical. I'm like, I, I just, I just don't think that I deserve this kind of happiness. I don't think I can make it work. I don't know if I'm any good at it. And so I got really like debilitating anxiety to the point where my husband sent me home to Texas to live with my mom. Like, he's like, I don't know what to do with her. And she's like, make like, she's like another child right? Like I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't take care of my kids. I couldn't take care of myself. I was really, really, really struggling. And I went home to live with my mom, who is a therapist. And she kind of helped me face all of my worst fears, kind of like, she like helped me like look them in the face and be like, okay, if this were to happen, I'd still be okay. If this were to happen, I'd still be okay. And so like, I just need to go do the best I can because I can't be perfect. Nobody is right. That's not even realistic. And how can I, um, function within my family, knowing that I deserve the happiness that, you know, I have like, uh, made for myself, 
um, but not have to show up perfectly in order to feel like I'm deserving of, sure. you know, whatever. Of that happiness, yeah. Yeah, and so I went back and my husband and I really worked on our relationship. I got on some medication and I remember going to see that doctor and I was like, listen, I, I, I don't like medication. Surprise, it makes me nervous, right? <laughs> I was nervous about everything, but I was like, I'm nervous about taking this medication. <laughs> And I was like, what can I do to get off of it as fast as humanly possible? And of course he was like, you've got to eat healthy. You've got to get enough sleep. You've got to be exercising, right? That's going to work on those endorphins. But also I need you having sex with your husband. And I was like, oh. <laughs> wow. I was like, you want me to talk to my husband? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we're barely talking to each other. Right. I really right. don't the last know thing on your how that's going to work out. Right. But I was desperate and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And what I realized, what I learned from that whole, you know, kind of period of time in my life was that that intimacy, um, that vulnerability and that, that closeness that we developed um, was really kind of the, the magical formula that, that, um, I needed to, to be in the right headspace to be able to handle all the things that were coming at me. Right. We ended up having a fourth baby and I stayed at home for a while. And then when my fourth child was old enough to go to school full-time, I was like, I'm going to school too. Right. I want to work with couples. I want to share with them like my journey. And I had been, I mean, really a student of marriage for all that time. I've been reading mm-hmm. books and listening to podcasts and getting really um, obsessed yeah. with, <laughs> with all of that, right? The marriage dynamic with communication, with intimacy, all of those things. So I went to, to a master's program. I got into a really good master's program. I did about a year. And then I was like, I don't want to be a therapist. I want to be a coach. So I dropped the program. I started podcasting and uh, working with couples. And I, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. So that's, that's how we, that's the long route that we took to get to where we are now. And I've had the opportunity to work with several couples now, and just, it's so rewarding. It's amazing to see people go from feeling like, you know, hopeless and, you know, their marriage isn't going to work or they married the wrong person or just, you know, feeling just really in despair to like feeling empowered to create their happily ever after love stories. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I did know a little bit of that. I knew you had told me before about the school part and like, yeah. you're like, that was kind of like, the lack of confidence, like, let me get some education behind me. And then you realize like, I already know I've been through this. I've been through the school of hard work, right? Yeah, exactly. And you bring so much to the table with your experience. So that's awesome. So since this episode is about keeping your marriage, like keeping our marriage hot after his, I want to just ask you that big question of how, how do we do that? (laughs) Okay. Well, that's a great question. And something I teach on so much because really what happens is we start having babies and our desire for sex just plummets, right? Because we're so busy during the day taking care of this baby that, you know, is breastfeeding is like, you know, constantly touching us and, you know, like climbing on top of us, throwing food at us, you know, like we're, we're caring and serving these little people that can't take care of ourselves. And our mentality is these babies, these children, they depend on me. They can't, 
drive themselves anywhere. They can't make themselves food. You know, they, they need function, you to walk really. them. Right. But my husband is an adult and he can make himself a sandwich and he can drive himself to the gym and he doesn't need me. Right. And so we go into this full on mom mode and then our husband comes home and wants to hang out with us. And we're like, I'm touched out. I'm exhausted. You know, like I don't, I can't do anything for any other people. Like I've got these babies in bed and I just need to like take care of myself. I don't want to have to take care of you. Right. So that's like one of the big um, mindsets that are going to keep us really stuck is thinking that, you know, being intimate with our husband is about them, is about caring for them and doing for them. And like one more person I've got to take care of, right? One more checklist, like one more thing on your checklist of to do. One more person needing me something, right? Right? That's exhausting. Done with this, right? So the way that we get around that, or we overcome that, you know, big stumbling block of thinking is by learning how sexual intimacy can be for us, right? It's like having the conversation with our partner of, hey, I am serving and being touched and like taken from all day long. And so if we're going to be sexually intimate with each other, I need to be served, right? And the amazing thing about men, most men, great men, is happy to do it. They're so happy to do it. They want to serve us. They want us to have pleasure, right? They want to take care of us in that way. They want us to feel good. And so it becomes our responsibility to learn enough about ourselves in this, our own sexuality to know what feels good to us, Mm -hmm. to know that when we go into the bedroom at the end of the night, that like, this will feel really good. Like touch me in this way, take care of me in this way. Like I, I just want to be able to experience pleasure in this circumstance. Right. And then let, give them the cheat codes, like let them know how they can make us feel good to rejuvenate us and refill us and, um, you know, get us to where we can wake up in the morning and do it again. But we feel like we've been served, not we're there to serve them. Right. Yeah. I'm curious. What do you say to a mom who is under that mindset or like that, that thought pattern of why do I have to tell him? Why do I have to tell him? Because your spouse can't read your mind. And that's like, that's like number one big, you know, that's, 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 I call that stinking thinking. It's going to get you really stuck. If you think that your spouse can read your mind, they can never read your mind. So you've got to tell them what you expect and you've got to be willing to do the work, right? Like if I want anything, I've got to be able to like, put my, like, what is it that I want? Right. I mean, there's so many areas of your relationship where this comes in really, um, this is a really important concept. Like, um, if, if I want to eat at a certain restaurant, I can't just expect my husband to know what I feel like eating. Right. Like, so I have to be willing to say, I feel like eating Mexican food tonight. Can we go eat Mexican food? And most of the time, your spouse is going to be like, sweet, let's go. Right. Right. If I, um, you know, want to do something for Valentine's day, like I want Valentine's day to look like this. I would feel really loved if we could do this, this, and this, your partner might say, awesome. 
thanks for letting me know. I will make all of those things happen for you, right? We can't just expect our spouse to read our mind. Like when the toilet paper is this way, right? Like it get pissed every single time I walk into the bathroom and the toilet paper is over. I'm like, I like it under whatever, whatever your thing is, right? Mm. Your partner's not just going to know that. Like you've got to be able to communicate and share that information with them. And I guarantee they're going to thank you for it. So it's the same with your sexuality and in the bedroom. Like a lot of people think that they get married and they're just going to like their husband's just going to know all the things to do. Mm. How on earth would he know that? You're the expert on your body. It doesn't matter how much experience they've had with other partners or anything like that. They don't know how your body works. They don't know what gives you pleasure. You've got to figure that out and then convey that to them. Right. Now that brings me to point number two, if you're ready for it. Go for it. Another big stumbling block that we as women bless our hearts is we feel that maybe asking, this goes to your question, maybe asking for what we need, but maybe just experiencing pleasure or um, having some sort of something for us would be selfish, right? We're mothers now, like our whole life is about serving these children. But the truth of it is, and I need you to like, I'm going to pull it, Amy, like if you're multitasking, come back to me. This is really, (laughs) really, really important. You are not doing your children any favors by acting as the martyr. Like they are not learning from you what they need to learn. If you've completely built your entire life around serving these kids and you're acting as a martyr and you're not doing anything for yourself, like they're not learning from that. And I always, I always ask moms who are thinking this way. I'm like, let's suppose in 25 years, you go and visit your children And you go to their house and you see that they are just absolutely running themselves ragged, making themselves crazy, doing everything for their kids. You would say, stop what you're doing. Take care of yourself. Because if you burn out, you're no good to anyone, right? Right. And so it's such a hard thing for us as moms to realize like our mental and physical health is so important. And not only is it so important because if we burn out, we're not good for them, but also we need them to see that like, we're important too. And like, we're taking care of, like we're worth it. And when we take care of ourselves, then we're way better for them. And they don't have to feel the stress and strain of like, I've got to like live up to all mom's ideals or she's just going to fall apart. Right. Right. Like I need to be my own strong human. Right. And so a couple, a married couple who is taking care of each other's needs, mm-hmm. like not like guessing, like, like trying right. to figure out what they are, but a couple who can like care for each other mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually so that the children don't have to do that is such a gift. If you can like give that emotional, physical, sexual to your spouse and you guys can, you know, in the evenings, recharge each other, give, give each other pleasure, do all of that. And then your kids see this couple that is like, so in love that, you know, you love to embrace each other. You kiss out in the open, you pinch each other's butts. Like you flirt, you prioritize your relationship by going out on weekly date nights, like all of the things. And your kids are not responsible for your happiness and fulfillment. 
you've given them the biggest gift you could possibly give them. I love that. I love that. So what are some ways like if, if listeners are, are tuning in and they are, you know, not, not there yet. Like they're like feeling resentment, feeling some, you know, some, some uncomfortable emotions and they're not ready to take your doctor's prescription. Of right. Sex, right. right. Like, and you I know my face too. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I want to share with you how I can help you get back to feeling like yourself so that you can love yourself and your life as a mom. If you're on the verge of burnout, feeling exhausted and overwhelmed by all the things you have to do, and you're so busy taking care of everyone and everything else that you have zero time for yourself, then listen up. You may have thought that when your babies were out of diapers, you'd have more time for yourself. Then as your kids grew, you thought that they, when they started school, you'd get back to doing things that you'd like to do. Well, now you're realizing that it's been way too long and your life has been so focused on taking care of it all that you can't even remember what it is that you like to do. And when you look in the mirror, you barely recognize the woman staring back. Well, I can help you. I know you can do it all. But why is it that trying to do it all is leaving you constantly feeling like you can't? You're trying so hard to keep it together on the outside, yet you're falling apart on the inside. I want to help. I understand what's happening because I've been where you are now. As a clinical therapist, a coach, and a fellow mom who was once drowning under the pressures of what turned out to be my own expectations, I want to share with you the tools and strategies that have helped me to reclaim myself and design a life I wanted to be living. Together, we will recover your sense of self. Imagine making time in your day to not only hear your own thoughts, but to recharge and feel alive. As we work to minimize mom brain, you will absolutely feel more centered and balanced. Right now, you may not even know what it is that you need or want, but soon enough, you will be able to ask for exactly what you need. You'll be able to engage in your own passions and interests without feeling guilty, and you'll find that you can be more present for your children, and who wouldn't want that? Not to mention, you'll finally be able to rest once you learn how to give yourself time and space to do so. Your relationships will improve, not only with others, but you'll love who you see in the mirror. Ultimately, you'll feel more confident about yourself and you'll be more willing to dream bigger, leading to a more fulfilled life. But I need you to take the next step. Click on the link in the show notes of today's episode to see what days and times I have available so that we can see if taking the next step together makes sense. Book a call today to start your journey to reclaiming and loving yourself. So what are some ideas or ways that they can reconnect with their husbands so that they can create that level of intimacy that you're talking about? So good. That is a great question. Okay. So number one, my number one suggestion is get date night on the calendar every single week, continue to date each other. Now I've heard every excuse in the book. If you feel like you don't have the budget for it, you have little kids and you can't find babysitters. It's hard to get out. Like it's hard to make time for it. I get it. I get it. It's hard. Right. But you've got to commit to your relationship that you will figure out a way to spend three hours out of the 168 hours in a week. That's the thing about time, right? It doesn't matter how much money or resources or power or influence that you have. We all get the same amount of time in a day, okay? 
So every single week, I want you to commit to spending three hours with your partner, doing something fun, making memories, connecting emotionally, physically, sexually, right? Once a week. So it doesn't have to be expensive or elaborate or far from home. For a long time, my husband and I, we would just do date nights at home, right? We would put on a movie for the kids. We would go in our room, lock the door and either watch a show or play a game or talk or just snuggle, whatever we needed, right? Mm -hmm. But our kids, it taught our kids that we prioritize our relationship enough that every single week we're going out on a date. It's really, really important. So that's number one. That's going to help you rekindle that passion, that connection, and make sure I have tons of resources on this, people. I have, we were going to talk about what resources I have for your audience. I have 102 cheaper free date nights. I have 51 questions you can ask your spouse to get to know them better. I have 51 ways to initiate. I have 69 steamy text messages. I'm willing to offer any of these to your audience, right? But you don't have to be creative. There's people like me who geek out (laughs) on things like that. There's people like the dating divas who have like an endless stream of creative date night ideas. Like you don't like, don't say I'm not creative. I can't think of those things. There's tons of people out there who will do that heavy lifting for you, right? You just have to tap into it. You have to make it a priority. So I have a rule that date night goes on the calendar every single week. It can slide around like up or up or down. If there's uh, you know, kids activities, it can go in the morning, afternoon or night doesn't but it cannot be erased. Every single week you should be going on a date. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I recommend a daily connections. So this is 20 minutes and I love numbers, right? You, every single human walking on this planet has 1,440 minutes. <laughs> in- I knew the hours, but I never broke it down to the minutes. <laughs> yes. And so I'm telling you to take 20 of those minutes and connect with your partner emotionally. So you can do this in the morning when you first wake up, like don't grab your phone, turn over and talk with your spouse, right? You can do it after dinner. You can go for a walk or a drive. You can do it after you get the kids in bed. There's so many little pockets of time that if you will focus on it, if you'll make it a priority, spend 20 minutes And the whole point of this 20 minutes is to get to know your partner's inner world. So even if you spend 24 hours a day together, you're still experiencing the world in such a different way because you're different people, right? And so you want to take that time not to talk about the kids, not to talk about finances or business. Same goes for date night. We're not talking about those things. There's other times to connect in that way. You're just talking about What is exciting to you today? What were you super proud that you accomplished today? What makes you nervous? What can I do to make your life easier? Um, What's like something that you learned today that got you all, you know, giddy? There's lots of questions. Again, I have, you know, resources about that too. Ask each other questions, go back and forth, learn about what's important to your partner or what they've learned or what's exciting them making them nervous and go back and forth, right? And then at the end of this 20 minutes, I want you to connect in a physical way to represent that you've connected emotionally. So this can be like, hold hands and look into each other's eyes for a minute. This can be a little makeout session. It can be a long embrace. It can be, um, you know, a back rub or something, but just 
like a little physical representation that we've connected, that we're emotionally connected, that we're physically connected, that we love each other. And then you can go out and be awesome parents. You can be awesome members of your community. You can be awesome business leaders, whatever you need to do. But you know you have that connection every single day. You've got that time that's kind of sacred where you just get with your partner and you talk about the things that are really on your heart. So those two are really important. Uh, weekly date nights, daily connections. And then I would say... Um, I would say get really curious and vulnerable with each other. And part of this is, and I haven't given this advice too much because of my audience, um, but I think it's really important to get naked with each other. And when I say that, I do mean physically naked. So if that means sleep naked, if you feel comfortable with that, I think that's important every once in a while to just slip into bed naked. And like, it signifies that you don't want anything to be between you like clothes or whatever, and just, you know, cuddling, you know, being close together, you know, without anything in between you is, is really, really special. But also it's kind of signifies that you can be really vulnerable with your spouse. So for me, when everything changed in our relationship, I tell this story um, often, but it was, I, I was about eight months pregnant and my husband and I were fighting and it was nighttime. And I remember my husband was like rolling over to go to sleep. And I was like, pan I had this panic. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to sleep. Like we're upset with each other. Like this isn't working. My husband was like really good at sleeping when I was upset <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Right. Like partially because I'd received the horrible advice to never go to bed angry. And so I was like, <laughs> Like I can't do it. Right. And so I took off all my clothes, not to be sexy. Cause remember mm -hmm. I'm eight months no, pregnant. Angry. There's yeah. nothing sexy about that. Right. But I climbed into bed and it got my husband's attention. So he turned mm -hmm. over and he's like, what's, what's going, going on? on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm ready to be vulnerable. And he's like, okay, what's up? And I told him my biggest fear. I, I looked him in the mm -hmm. eye and I said, I'm so scared that you're going to just leave me, that you're going to be like, this is too much. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Right. And especially when you can just go to bed and I'm so upset over something, it like, it reinforced that fear. it makes me crazy, yeah. right? Like I can't calm my brain down in that circumstance. Right. So it was me asking for what I needed. It was me getting really vulnerable and I was letting him in, right? And so from that moment on, like that one act of immense vulnerability for me changed the direction of our relationship so much because I finally let him in on what scared me. On in your mind. It's what scared me the most. My biggest fear, I was like, I'm ready to share it with you, right? And why? And we talked about it for a long time. And we came to the agreement that if we were going to get in an argument late at night or at a time when we couldn't talk about it, instead of just leaving or falling asleep, he would say, I love you, but I'm too tired to think about this clearly right now. Let's talk about this again after I've gotten some sleep, right? Or after we've both rested or we've given it some time, right? And it was like, that was all I needed to feel like, okay, he loves me. He's not leaving me. He's not tuning me out. 
He just yeah. needs some sleep. And right. then I could sleep too, right? And so now years later, we don't have to like go through that whole rigmarole. I just know that if we've disagreed late at night, in the morning, he's going to roll over. I'm going to roll over. We're going to snuggle. We're going to talk about it. One of us will apologize or both of us will apologize and it's going to be fine, right? Yeah. Like I have, we have enough experience after 20 years now that he knows what my biggest fears are. You know, I know what his right. triggers are and we don't have to like freak out about those things anymore, but it right. comes from vulnerability. So I would say weekly date nights, daily connections, and a, a huge dose of vulnerability. Your relationship is worth it. And I know that it's so scary. Vulnerability is so scary, but it's also a source of strength and courage. And so if you can do that, you can do anything. I love that. I love those things. So, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go out and make my marriage even better. Let's do it. <laughs> If you're a mom who feels like you're close to burning out, you're not alone. It can be difficult to make time for yourself when you're constantly taking care of others. But self-care is essential to avoiding mom burnout. That's why I created Self-Care 101, a course specifically for moms. In it, I walk you through the five pillars of self-care and help you make time for activities that will recharge and refuel you. Enroll today to learn what fills your cup and to give your family the gift of a mom who is operating with a cup that overflows. Check the show notes of this episode for the link to enroll today. So Monica, what is your go-to self-care practice? And I know you, you shared a lot about how important self-care is and being able to that. So that's awesome. So what do you do to bring yourself like to, to fuel your passions and to feel recharged? Gosh, you know, that's such a great question. I think for me, being able to slow down and just read a book is okay. probably my favorite self-care. I mean, you know, I love massages and manicure, mani-pedis as much as the next girl or whatever, you know, but I feel like if I can just in a day be like, you know what, I have done so much today. Mm -hmm. I can just sit on the couch and read a book, like whatever book I want and just enjoy it, like relaxing. Yeah. Like, it's so funny because for so many years, I probably like never sat on my couch unless I had company. So I was too. That's it's like, I, you just I never gave myself can, permission. I never yeah, gave you just don't think you can slow down. There's always mm -hmm. more to do. Yep. I mean, you can always look around the house and be like, oh, I could straighten this. I could work on this. Like yep. there's always stuff to do. But I think like the most generous thing I can do for myself is be like, you know what? I've accomplished a lot today. I'm just going to sit on the couch and put a blanket over my legs right and curl up with a book and yes. I'm not going to feel bad or guilty about it. I'm just going to mm -hmm. enjoy myself for a few minutes until the chaos of all the children yeah. <laughs> comes upon me and then I'll jump up and do what else I need to do. Right. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to our next question about what kind of, what books, since you love books, what book would you recommend to our listeners or what book has greatly impacted your life? Gosh, I love books. So yeah, you even warned me about this. And I was like, oh, there's so many. Like I, I, I love, love, <laughs> love books. I think a book that I read most recently that like changed my perspective on everything is it's called Untangled and it's by Lisa Demore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have two teenage girls at the moment, and that makes for some very exciting. <laughs> 
moments in my household. And so uh, she talks about kind of like going from childhood to adulthood, what girls go through. Um, and it, it it's really been like, it, it's like a good read because you feel like, oh man, this is happening in other households. Like it's not just me, but also just like, how can I show up and be a good mom to these beautiful girls? Because I want them to find their strength. I want them to you know, be happy. I want them to, you know, know how to stand up for themselves and all the good things. And I don't want to crush them because, you know, they're very opinionated, you know, (laughs) all of those things. And so they're developing all these great attributes. How can I, as a mom, support them and love them and continue to mentor them? And so, yeah, Untangled. Is it a book specifically for raising daughters? Yes. Okay. Okay. It's about yeah. raising teenage girls. I've got five girls. So oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. One of those three, three, but the other ones are all 19 and below. <laughs> so. I will send it to you. It is so good. It's so good. And it's, I wrote it down. I'll check it out. Yes. Okay. And then finally, where can listeners find you? Yeah. So my podcast Secrets of Happily Ever After is a great place. Or you can just go to my website, monicatanner.com. All right. And all of Monica's information will be found in the, in the show notes of today's episode. So thank you so much for coming on and being our guest today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Moms Without Caves podcast. I'm always up to hearing your ideas for future episodes. So send me a DM and let me know. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would be awesome if you'd leave me a positive review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Until next time, take care of you. You are worth it.